Jacob deGrom pitched in his first A game for the spring for the Rangers, brought his B game, and still looked like an absolute nightmare for opposing hitters and one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher on the planet. We'll get into all of that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank y'all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Before we get into today's show about Jacob DeGrom and the Rangers finally naming a primary left fielder and why that's just fine who they chose. This episode is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. If you ever dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing your own baseball franchise, then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just go visit ultimatebaseballgm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code Locked On in all caps in the game. Now, Jacob DeGrom is absolutely unreal. Pitched in his first A game of the spring. Did pitch in a minor league game a few days ago last week. But on Sunday, he looked absolutely incredible. It's a darn shame that there were no camera crews there to, you know, film the whole thing. Just the just a few highlights, which I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for any highlights of Jacob DeGrom in a Texas Rangers uniform, throwing baseballs and looking absolutely immaculate, which is which is what he did. He threw three shutout innings. The highlights include through 34 pitches. 28 of those were strikes. 28. He got eight swings and misses, four strikeouts in three innings pitched. He sat 97 to 99 with the fastball, touched 100 twice. His first strikeout came on the curveball, and then all the other three came on fastballs. The second and the third ones were on 99-mile-an-hour fastballs up and out of the zone that he got opposing hitters to swing through. By the way, those first two strikeouts came with a runner on third base. The only real mistake of the day was an 0-2 fastball to... Mariners hitter Jared Kelnick. He wanted it to be down and he left it up a little bit. Kelnick absolutely smashed it for a one out triple in the first inning. But Jacob deGrom, being his Jacob deGrom himself, was like, you know what? I don't care that it's a spring game. I don't care that it's my first A spring game. Uh, I, I want this guy to be stranded out there and I want to make these hitters embarrassed and dominate them because. That is the ace mindset. That is the Cy Young winner mindset. That is what the best of the best pitchers are thinking. Even in these little spring games where, yeah, like I know I'm working on this amount of stuff. And yeah, I've, I've only pitched just a little bit in actual games this spring. But I hate hitters. I hate hitters so much. And I want to not only beat them, I want to embarrass them. I want to have their dreams be crushed, soul annihilation facing me. That's what I want. That's what the Cy Youngs, the Hall of Famers, the best of the best do when they are on the mound. And that is very much Jacob DeGrom. And that's that's who the Rangers paid for the next five, maybe six years to be their best pitcher. And he looked very much like it. Um, by the way, the last pitch that he threw was a fastball down the middle to Jared Kalnick to strike him out and end his day. He almost pitched too well, but he also 
wasn't his best. This quote from Mitch Garver, who caught the game, kind of kind of struck me and honestly just made me laugh. Um, Mitch Garver said, quote, and I think he will tell you um, it was not his best outing, end quote. That's that's absolutely hilarious. I mean, it's right. And duh. And of course, he's not at his 100 percent self. But the fact that he went three shutout innings, allowed just two hits, no walks, four strikeouts. And just absolutely embarrassed these Mariners hitters. One of them, one of the opposing hitters talked to Garver after uh, DeGrom was out of the game and said, that was just an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, it is a nightmare facing Jacob DeGrom because he's absolutely insane. But the fact that you go and, and, and say that, I mean, he also had other nice glowing compliments for DeGrom and the rest of the starting rotation who has been on an absolute tear lately. They have not allowed, no Ranger starting pitcher has allowed a run since last Monday. I'm recording this before the Monday afternoon game. So they have seven days uh, or six days, I think, of not allowing a run. That is 16 and two thirds innings where no Rangers starting pitcher has allowed a run in a spring game. I know it's spring. I I know it's spring and they're all still working on stuff and hitters are still getting their timing back. But still, it's hard not to get, you know, dreamy-eyed about this rotation. I mean, you look at the Fangraph's depth projection uh, for the Rangers starting pitchers, They've got four guys on there with a 2.3 war or better projected. The only one who isn't two or more war projected is Martin Perez, who is projected for 1.8, which, again, I feel is super low. And even though he got lit up in the World Baseball Classic by Team USA, which, again, at this point, who hasn't been lit up by the Team USA lineup? Both the only two Rangers participants in the World Baseball Classic, both lefty starting pitchers, both got absolutely rocked by the Team USA All-Star Hall of Fame level lineup with, you know, nine-hole hitter Trey Turner leading the entire tournament in home runs at RBIs because it's Team USA and it's absolutely stacked. But this was a really, really exciting outing for Jacob deGrom and just seeing, seeing him not only in a Rangers uniform, but seeing what he can do and remembering, oh, yeah. You remember all those people who were talking about how, oh, he's going to be hurt. He's never going to do this. He's not going to live up to whatever. I mean, that's the whole middle part of when Jacob deGrom is pitching, he is by far the most exciting and explosive pitcher we have seen in many, many years, if not generations, if not ever. His stuff is just that unbelievably good. All of his pitches were working. I know it's just a spring game, but like, gosh, it's so hard not to get absolutely unreally excited about what he is going to do this season should he stay healthy and you know it's taking a little bit of time to work up to the kind of workload that he is going to end up getting um in the regular season and we'll see if the range how careful the rangers are about managing him but it seems like the plan is to let him go 30 starts all of those worries and concerns about oh okay well he's never going to pitch in 180 innings or 200 innings in a season again i don't think that's necessarily true i think they're definitely going to be careful with him i don't think they're going to be extremely overly way too protective i think they're going to kind of i, I mean in spring training they have been they have been way more on the cautious side and I think they should Um, and we'll get into a little bit of how that even factored in today that he almost pitched too well um, for what he was supposed to do but it is just such an exciting sight to see Jacob deGrom throw baseballs and do it while wearing a Texas Rangers uniform which we'll be doing and seeing quite a bit more we're going to get into the Rangers left field situation why Jacob deGrom might have pitched a little too well in this first A game of the spring. But first, this episode is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. 
I am really excited to tell y'all about our new partner for today's show, the Mobile Game Ultimate Baseball GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming a Major League Baseball general manager and managing your professional baseball franchise, then your dream has definitely come true, and this is the game for you. You can manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, scouting and drafting players, manage those difficult personalities, and navigate your franchise through free agency and all the ups and downs of the season. Maybe you can get your equivalent of a Jacob DeGrom if you want to channel your inner Chris Young. Um, could be a lot of fun. So, Locked On Rangers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On, all caps, in the game. So, make sure to go check it out. To download the game, uh, just go visit probaseballgm.com or you can scan the code if you're watching here on YouTube in the corner of your screen or look it up in the App Store. That's probaseballgm.com, Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. Now, Jacob DeGrom did pitch very well, wasn't his best, but he might have pitched too well. It, more more that he pitched too efficiently. The Rangers did schedule him to throw three innings of work in this game, and they also scheduled him for their hoping, thinking that was going to be about uh, 45 to 50 pitches. They're kind of trying to work him up for 75 pitches, I think, is the target for opening day because he will have one more start before opening day. And maybe that one will be televised in the spring, or maybe we won't get to see an actual televised game of Jacob DeGrom in a Rangers uniform until opening day, which, you know, if that's the case, then so be it. It's just kind of hilarious and annoying that uh, the day after Jacob DeGrom's pitching his first A game, that's when the Rangers are televising game. But, you know, it's fine. But if you may remember, I said Jacob DeGrom only threw 34 pitches in this start. And rather than having him go out there for a fourth inning, rather than having him go throw 10, 15 pitches in a bullpen, they just decided to call it a day and said, you know what? You look good. You felt good at the end of this. Three innings of work. It's more than the last time out. More pitches than the last time out. Looked incredibly good. Still feel healthy. No left side tightness flaring up or anything like that. Nothing in the elbow or whatever. Let's just call that good. And I think that's probably the right move. Yes, he may be on a limited pitch. He will, almost certainly, unless, I don't know, some miracle thing happens the next 10 days, which I don't expect it to, and I don't really need it to. Or 10 days? 8 days? However many days until opening day. Um, But DeGrom's going to be on a limited pitch count for opening day, and that's fine because he has done it before. As I talked about on a show, I believe it was last week, about what Jacob DeGrom did in his debut last year. He was still in a similar situation working back from an injury. He was basically rehabbing almost at the big league level. His first start of the season came on August 2nd against the Washington Nationals where he threw five innings, three hits, one run, which was earned six strikeouts on 59 pitches. Yeah, 59 pitches still went five innings through 76 the next time out against Atlanta, got 12 strikeouts in five and two thirds innings. So even when he's on a limited pitch count, he can still go deep into games, get you five, six innings, sometimes even seven through uh, six and two thirds innings in 95 pitches on August 18th, his fourth start of the season, which was in Atlanta against the Braves, where he had nine strikeouts did allow three runs, but again, in the middle of a pennant chase, his fourth start of the season, still not quite to 100 pitches yet, um, still dominant, still going deep into games against the best lineups in the game. That is the kind of guy that the Rangers have, and I am so 
incredibly glad they have him. Not even getting into all the other starters who have pitched extremely well the these last few games. Um, I mean, John Gray looks about as good as he's looked. Andrew Heaney has been fairly consistent and healthy and um, looking like himself. And Nathan Evaldi is back on the mound after also having some left side tightness. I think he will also be on a little bit of a limited pitch count when we get to opening day. But I don't know if it'll be necessarily as limited as DeGrom. We'll see if he's around the 75 pitch mark. But again, that happens, feels like all the time. We kind of forget it every time that we get around to the season. Like, wait, why is everybody not at 100 pitches and uh, completely 100% ready to go? But as long as it's better than the first time through the rotation last year, which was just an absolute mess, John Gray was injured, only made it, I don't think he even made it through five innings, had two IL trips after two of his first two starts. Hopefully we can avoid that this year with the Rangers opening day starter. Martin Perez took a couple of starts before he was ready to get up to 100 pitches. Then he looked absolutely incredible and amazing for basically the entire rest of the season. So I mean, slow starts are fine as long as the Rangers have these guys out there and are not putting massive, massive workloads on their bullpen, which I don't think they will. Um, then I think they're still in a very, very good position. But the other news of this weekend, a um, couple more bits of news. Small bit, Josh Young got into a minor car crash on Saturday. Thankfully, he is okay, but he did miss the game on Saturday. Came back on Sunday and hit a home run, his third of the spring going to be the everyday third baseman. Good to see him looking good and smacking baseballs over the fences. Hopefully he can um, not be involved in any more car crashes ever, um, or at least not through the rest of the spring. Glad that he is okay and glad that he is smacking baseballs. But the other news that came out this weekend, Bruce Bochy said that Robbie Grossman is going to be the primary left fielder. Quote, that's the plan right now. He's playing great. I know what the splits say, but he's made some adjustments and the at-bats have been uh, better. There will be other guys to play out there, but he's the guy. End quote. And that's fine. I know when the Rangers signed Robbie Grossman, my first thought was, meh, okay, fine. I guess that's good. It's an improvement but I'm not really that excited. The last the last Rangers acquisition that I said that about was Martin Perez. And while I'm not saying that Robbie Grossman is going to have his Martin Perez level equivalent of a breakout make his first all-star team. Yeah, I don't think he's ever been. He has not been an all-star. I don't think that he is going to do that necessarily, but I think he is going to be a very, very helpful improvement and be exactly what the Rangers needed. I mean, what Robbie Grossman provides is on base. He gets on base at a high level, plays competent defense, and he is just, he's fine. He's pretty good. Fine. And that is what the Rangers need in left field and have needed in left field and have not had in left field in many, many moons since, I would say, 2019. But this spring, Robbie Grossman has looked absolutely awesome. Just straight up awesome. 14 games, 41 plate appearances in the spring, hitting 406 and on base of 512, slugging 656. That is an 1168 OPS um, in 14 games of the spring, has a pair of doubles, a pair of home runs, three stolen bases, has not been caught stealing, eight walks to four strikeouts. He is going to be hitting somewhere in the six to eight range of the lineup. And one of the things that I thought the Rangers needed last year or needed heading into this season 
with the improvements that they had of at the top of the lineup is is pretty good. The middle of the lineup is is solid, but just adding someone in the kind of bottom third of the lineup that gets on base at a high clip. That's why I was thinking the Rangers might go look at Jerkson Profar, who just signed a deal with the Colorado Rockies. Good on him for getting paid. Um, but I think Robbie Grossman really gives the Rangers what they need in left field. Coming up, we're going to look at some of the left fielders of the past and why even someone, if he even has a mediocre season, the most Robbie Grossman of Robbie sees. Robbie Grossman season. That is still going to be a massive improvement for the Texas Rangers in left field. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Your bracket might be busted, but you can still get some joy out of March Madness. Maybe your team has been eliminated, or maybe your team is, is like mine, Alabama, and is still kicking in the tournament as we head into the Sweet 16. So, so FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay, so don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, I know I've not been the most complimentary of Robbie Grossman, but it, it's not really to mock Robbie Grossman or to be personal against Robbie Grossman. It's just like, it's fine, and it's not splashy. And unfortunately, I have become spoiled in my free agent um, acquisitions that the Rangers have had in the last few years. And, you know, when when you when your team signs Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and John Gray and Jacob Grom and Nathan Ivaldi, it's like... Okay, Robbie Grossman, sure. Fine. Add him in there too. But Robbie Grossman has a career OPS of 724 in 10 seasons in the big leagues. Last year was a bit of a down year, a 622 OPS. I think that will bounce back. The years before, 772 in 156 games in Detroit. And in Oakland in 2020, that shortened season had an 826 OPS. That was eight home runs and in 2021 had a career high of 23 home runs. I don't know if he's going to hit 20 home runs for the Rangers this year, but even if he is about what he's been, a 724 OPS, an on-base of 346, that is what the Rangers need. Somebody in the bottom of that lineup to just get on base and help turn that lineup over a little bit faster as opposed to just being three pretty much surefire outs. But the Rangers in left field have not provided a lot of offensive value, and that is a position that is more of an offensive position. It's one of the most offensive positions, I think, in all of baseball, where you will sacrifice the glove for someone who can swing a big bat. Think of like Kyle Schwarber types, guys who just don't have a defensive position. You just throw them out there in left field, they'll be fine. They're not going to do a whole lot of damage. I mean, heck, even Mike Napoli played a few games in left field for the Rangers um, back in the day. But the Rangers haven't had an offensive juggernaut or even just a pretty good offensive left fielder in quite some time looking at the primary left fielders for the last few years on baseball reference the guys who played the most games in left field this is what their OPSs have been for the Rangers the last five seasons in 2022 we had Bubba Thompson a 613 OPS in left field um, granted a smaller sample size because the Rangers used about eight billion players in left field last year I mean rough estimate but at 8 billion feels about right. In 2021, they had Willie Calhoun, who 
did not have a great season, a 691 OPS in 2021. Look at the year before that. In 2020, it was Nick Solak with a 671 OPS. You had to go back all the way to 2019, where again, it was Willie having his career season, which unfortunately things kind of went downhill from there. He had an 848 OPS. The last the last time that the Rangers had a left fielder with an OPS of 700 or better. 700 or better hasn't been since 2019. Since I started doing this podcast, that was my first season doing the podcast nearly um, four years ago on Friday. It'll be four years ago to the date of the first release of the first episode of Locked on Rangers. The year before that, they had Joey Gallo with an 810 OPS, that 40 home run season in 2018 as the primary left fielder. And years before that, they were actually a good team to playoff team and had competent left field play. But the Rangers just need somebody to be fine, be an adult in the room, be moderate value. You can have positions where you don't get a whole lot of value. Every team, every lineup has a certain spot in in their lineup where there's not a whole lot of offensive production being had. The Rangers, it's the eight and nine holes. Um, but usually those other positions are providing some value, like the Astros lineup, which is an, unfortunately very, very deep. But they have Martin Maldonado at catcher in the nine hole. And I believe Chaz McCormick has been playing a lot of center field for them over the years and not necessarily providing the most offensive value in center field. But the Rangers in left field, you've got to put someone out there who can absolutely mash. You have Jordan Alvarez out there playing so much in the field, um, a kind of surprising amount for a guy who is almost assuredly a DH on most other teams in Major League Baseball. But that is a position where you at least need to get league average level play. Maybe you don't have a four or five win player out there. I mean, some of the best Rangers teams in have had some of their best players in left field. Josh Hamilton was a primary left fielder in 2010 and had a 1,044 OPS in his MVP season that year. The next year, of course, it was still Josh Hamilton, an 882 OPS with 25 bombs in 121 games in 2011. And then, you know, Josh Hamilton moved over to center field in 2012. And up comes David Murphy to have the best season of his career at 859 OPS, 15 bombs, 29 doubles in 147 games, and an on-base of 380. If we can get something like anywhere near like David Murphy level production from Robbie Grossman, which... I think an 859 OPS is probably a bit much to ask. He's done similar numbers for his career best years. But again, I really like this Rangers hitting staff. They have done a good job of improving guys and getting the best out of some veteran guys um, like they did in San Francisco when they were there um, and like they've done with Nathaniel Lowe and a few other Rangers hitters as well. Um, But I, I really, really like the potential for someone to just be fine, have every position be at least fine. I thought that we we're going to get that in center field as well. But with Leody's injury and um, Evan Carter not quite being ready yet, and I'm not sure if Ezekiel Duran or Josh Smith are ready to play every day in center field, we're going to have to settle for um, just one position not being at least fine. But left field, settled, fine. Do you see what I'm getting at? <laughs> Having just a competent player in a position where usually you'd like to get a little bit more offensive production. I think eventually Evan Carter will be up there or there are some other corner outfield bats that could end up making, spending some time in left field and giving the Rangers that offensive production you would like to have from both of your corner outfield spots, not just Adoles Garcia in right field. Um, but for now, you settle from 
bad to fine. And I think that is a big, big upgrade. A little bit more news before we end today's show. The Rangers made some more minor league cuts this uh, weekend, and the Rangers have sent um, Sam Huff down to AAA. Chase Lee and Mark Church have also been sent down to the minors. I think those guys were up for a little bit longer than I expected, really. Um, I always kind of felt like Sam Huff was going to be a real, real long shot to end up making the Major League roster on opening day, but he is not going to. He is going to be in Round Rock. Jake Latz is also among those who were sent to minor league camp, as well as Elier Hernandez, who did make his major league debut last year for the Rangers. So the Rangers still have a few of those non-roster invitees in camp. They have um, some right-handed relievers who are making their way back. Ian Kennedy, maybe he will end up making the opening day roster, has a 3.0 ERA in six innings with six strikeouts, a pair of home runs, a pair of walks, and those two home runs are both solo and half the hits that he has allowed this spring. I'm not sure if he'll end up making the Rangers roster out of camp, or if he'll end up being assigned to AAA and then working his way back um, by dominating in AAA. I think he's definitely a guy who the Rangers are considering. I mean, this is exactly the way that he made his his debut with the Rangers last time that he was here and ended up being a very, very effective reliever and was part of that package that, uh, that the Rangers sent with Kyle Gibson to go get Spencer Howard, um, which, again, I don't even want to talk about that trade right now. Um, but I think the Rangers have some really good competition in camp. I'm... Curious to see what they're going to do with the 25 and 26 spots on their roster. I'm especially talking about the outfield. I'm not sure which way they are leaning on which one of those non-roster invitees are going to actually end up making a difference, whether it's Travis Jankowski um, or um, maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's Joe McCarthy that ends up getting a spot there, um, or maybe it's Clint Frazier. Not entirely sure. But I think the Rangers have a good, healthy competition. Talked a little bit about it last week of just having the the upgrades that the Rangers have at the back end of their roster. Having to DFA a guy like Mark Mathias, who I thought was pretty much a surefire guarantee to make the opening day roster. Granted, it, it ended up will probably just be to keep Brad Miller on for a few more months, who actually has had a pretty decent spring. I've been kind of hard on Brad Miller, but I think injuries um, really played a part in why he struggled so much last season. Um, but Brad Miller has a 751 OPS this spring and on base of 344, slugging over 400 at 407, one home run in a pair of doubles, five walks to nine strikeouts in 32 plate appearances and 10 games. I think that we're going to see a decent amount of him. Clint Frazier has not had the best spring, so I'm not sure if he is going to make the Rangers roster out of camp, hitting below 230 on base of just 308 and slugging just 371. Not exactly the most impressive spring um, for him, but I still think there's some potential there. I think he'll land. I think he'll get some at bats with a major league team this year. I don't know if that'll be with the Rangers. I think he'll probably end up starting the season somewhere in AAA. Maybe it'll be Round Rock with Texas. Um, but Yoshi Sutsugo, who I think will also probably end up starting in Round Rock, has only played in eight games, 21 plate appearances, but has really kind of made an impression. He has an 830, 833 OPS, hitting 300 
on base of 333 and slugging 500 with a homer and a double in those 21 plate appearances. I expected very little of him. He's had a real up and down minor major league career um, with three different teams, the Rays, the Dodgers, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, had a 43-game stretch with Pittsburgh in 2021 where he looked fantastic with an 883 OPS. But outside of there, there have not been a whole lot of really good stints for him. It has just been kind of a lot of hit and miss and he's a first baseman and the Rangers have a first baseman and they have pretty much a primary DH or a couple different candidates to be primary DHs or guys who can play um, first base or left field or whatever. So I think Sutsuga was always going to be a long shot to make this roster, but I did want to shout him out because he has been having a good spring. And while it may be tough for him to crack this roster, maybe he'll get a chance somewhere else, but still, I think it was definitely something that was worth mentioning. Um, before um, spring training is done, which we really don't have much time left in spring training. We have, what, a week, I think, before everyone heads back to Texas. Maybe there'll be, I think there's a couple more spring training games before opening day, um, which will be on the 30th. Yes, March 30th. So 10 days away, 10 days away from opening day. This Rangers roster is in a really good place. Got to see Jacob deGrom on the hill. Maybe we will see him one more time this spring before opening day where he will face the reigning NL champion Philadelphia Phillies and one of the hottest hitters on the planet in Trey Turner, probably leading off. That is probably going to be the first at-bat that we see this season is Trey Turner, who is scalding hot in the WBC as he led the Americans into the final with a multi-homer game against Jacob DeGrom, the best pitcher on the mother freaking planet, who even on a limited pitch count even when he doesn't have his best stuff, looks absolutely incredible, and he is your Texas Rangers ace. That's going to do it for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow recording it um, today because tomorrow's my birthday. Um, So if you want to comment nearly any single thing below, you can comment happy birthday on tomorrow's show. Um, Just go ahead and do that. Make me feel nice and and happy. Do your service. But thank you for making Locked on Rangers your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked on Fantasy Baseball. You can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked on Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy Jacob freaking DeGrom.